1: Welcome
2: to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. Haley is counting down the weeks to the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, the first year of all women's Kona. We are very excited and our guest lineup the last few weeks has been also guests to get you excited for the big dance out in Hawaii in a few weeks. Um, but with this, we have been chatting with Haley every week to find out her Kona workout of the week. And it's one of my favorite parts because I'm not exercising very much right now. So I'm living my cares. Lots of exercise. Haley, I know you are doing lots of exercise. So can we kick it off with your Kona workout of the week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I really wanted to share a swim workout because the 50 meter pool here in Bozeman reopened just in time for a little sharpening for Kona. Um, But I I don't have it written down and I can't just like always, some workouts are complicated also. And I always feel like when I give one on the um, podcast, it's like a bunch of numbers jumbled up (laughs) and, you know, it doesn't mean a lot, but
2: if write it down and then we can put it in the down. show notes and send it to.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Maybe I know our mailbag is empty right now. Maybe we need like five people to write into our mailbag within next two weeks. Cause we have a little schedule, you know, because of the Hawaii, I won't be around necessarily for the next two weeks, but, um, and then I'll share a swim workout. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Pool. <laughs> But I'm very excited. But instead I'm going to share a bike workout. And I also, I realize I've already, sh- I don't do that many long aerobic rides and I'm going to share another long aerobic ride, which is funny because I do feel like they're incredibly fun. So the majority of the time, I guess when I'm riding, I am riding intervals, um, kind of trying to, trying to dial in Ironman effort or 70.3 effort. And I do a lot of riding on my own and it's just not quite as exciting. And so sometimes when I get to do these long aerobic rides, they're really fun. And I do think, that there's a way to, to make them functional. Um, so this last weekend I had like a 120 mile ride on my schedule and I knew a couple guys who were going to do a a point to point ride from Bozeman to, um, a place called paradise Valley, which is like truly paradise, except it's very windy and, um, to go to like a barbecue place. And it was for one of the guys birthdays. And, um, also, his name is Michael Jordan, Alyssa. And I've never asked him if he like <laughs> likes basketball because I'm so, I'm so like, um, scarred from when we asked Lucy Charles Barkley. She yeah. like Charles Barkley. <laughs> and she was like, who? No, I think she knew who it was. She's like, yeah, maybe. And I was like, oh, but I, I do feel we did like that. <laughs> well, as like a child of the 90s, I'm like, when I think Michael Jordan, I'm like, of course basketball, but then I'm like, I can't let him, you know, destroy this this image I have.
2: <laughs> I wonder. So I'm worried. If, what if he shall, was like, like wait, the there's another Michael Jordan? Or the next decade of kids think of Michael Jordan thinking they like Space Jam, right? Like, is that what they think? I think, but didn't
0: some didn't they do a remake of Space Jam with like LeBron?
2: Oh probably. I still feel like the next
0: probably. generation thinks of Space jam It's like LeBron. but anyway, anyway, I didn't I have never asked if if he likes basketball or likes the real the the real oh my goodness, that's terrible. they're both real. um the other the other Michael Jordan but anyway, um it was uh it was it was a little bit of a logistical challenge, right because this ride they were doing was about fifty miles and um I had to run off the bike. I also had a 120 mile ride. And then I was like, there's probably no way this is going to work. And then they sent out a text to a group of people in Bozeman and they were like, we're going to leave at 2 PM. And I was like, Oh, oh my goodness, that's so late. Well, at first I was like, that's so late. I want to be done by 2 PM with my 120 mile ride. And then on Saturday I rode and I tried to go early and it was so cold. <laughs> it was so cold. Like I was wearing like the warmest dynamo jacket I had and I was still like quite cold. It was probably like, it was like 40 degrees in Bozeman. And I was like going up and I was doing hill repeats and the descents were just like very cold. And, um, and so I was like, you know what? I could start and ride about 70 miles starting at like nine 30. I'll be meet them at two and then I can finish up with these guys. And I was like, it was great. It was super great. Oh. And then the other thing was I, I was able to, um, like there was on this group text, like there were some people who were just driving out to get barbecue. So you could give them your brick so, stuff. Yeah,
2: I gave oh. them my shoes, and so Ooh. then I could still. Run. I'm seeing this, I'm getting so excited. And were you also able to like give someone your order so that you go run, and then by the time you get to the table, yes, just like there. <laughs> Right. Exactly. So John, who like brought my shoes, I was like, you know what? In
0: exchange, I will buy your barbecue, but here's my credit card and also order me, you know, some barbecue and a beer. And so (laughs) actually it worked out. This was like the most logistically beautiful thing. And I should say, okay, the guy who organized this, Tim, is... Like I think he's like a logistical magician, and so he's like actually really, really good at these things. And he had done this ride like several times before, but this is the first time I think he had a. This was ended up being a pretty big group. I feel like there were at least like fifteen people. Um, like when Mm. I actually pulled up at like the where the meeting spot at two p.m. and and I was like a little bit nervous. I did, I did. It worked out well because I was able to circle back after four hours and just. Let Cowboy out because it's a long time to be away from him and him to be like at home alone. Um, and so I let him out and I, like, refilled my bottles and all that kind of thing and went back out. But the second part of the ride was actually so much better than the first. Like, you know, it was so fun to be with people. And, um, it was just like it was a really, really nice afternoon again, because our mornings are cold, but our afternoons are like wonderful. And it was just really, really fun. Hold into the barbecue place after like, a really the last stretch was like 20 miles of like constant headwind which I was like this is perfect this is like exactly what I need to be like suffering like this at the end of a long ride and like mentally suffering and like needing to just kind of keep pressing and I was also I wasn't actually suffering that much I was like Riding on Dylan Gillespie's wheel, and so I was enjoying a nice little draft. But but I was like suffering in a way where you know how it is, like a headwind at the end. Yes. When especially when you're going for mileage, I don't often ride for miles, and um, you know the miles are slow even no matter how hard you're going. And it
2: was just it was suffering just in the sense so of having to up- get like the just past the minutes, like just figuring out how to like zone out and past yes. the minutes. Yeah.
0: Well. And just like how this road is, it's like in Paradise Valley, it's like beautiful straight road, but like, you feel like you're not moving, right? It's kind of like the Queen K, but not as hot. So you're just like, you're like, am I making progress? Cause the wind is so relentless. And I used to ride out there quite a bit. I haven't in more recent times, but so it's also kind of nostalgic and fun to ride out there and it's just so beautiful, but it is, the wind is relentless. Um, And so I got there. John was there with my shoes, did a quick transition, got to go run out. And then, um, a lot of the, the other people who were on the ride were actually like coming in while I was running out. And so they cheered for me, which I thought was so nice. <laughs> and I just did a 20 minute run. It wasn't like crazy long, but it was, um, there was another woman, Amanda, who also she's doing Ironman Florida. She also did a quick run off the bike too. So there were a few of us out running and then, yeah, basically pulled up back there. My barbecue had just come out, was able to chill, hang out with everyone. And it was just such a good time. So I feel like, um, I mean, that was my last long ride before Hawaii. Yay! I feel like mm-hmm. I'm really going into this, like in a really, really good headspace, really happy and just feeling good about my trading. And I am thankful for like the community here in Bozeman. And I just how a lot of these guys are, and, and women are part of the mock apparel, community and so it's been nice that they've kind of welcomed me this year and I've been able to do a few group things and as someone who just does a lot of solo training it is nice occasionally to work that in and have that community and and be around other people and I do think even if people are doing different kind of workouts like there is usually a way that you can work make it work and and so I'm thankful for everyone
2: who helped make the logistics on that work and it ended up being a very very fun day. Oh, it is so fun. I, that is one thing I feel like I miss from Ironman training is those long days where you can just like be social on the bike. And it's just like, everyone's just out there for the adventure. Right. And it's, it's good. And even though everyone else wasn't necessarily riding 120 miles, you still got the feel of it. Right. So that's, that's fun. Um, yes.
0: I mean, I get nervous about that kind of thing, right. To like have, be in the later stages of my ride and like like everyone else is a little fresh, <laughs> but I, I I told myself I'm like one, I can draft in this kind of situation. Um, especially, you know, when there's a pretty decent group, I'm like, I can sit behind and just like chill. And I knew the route. So if something, if I got dropped, I was like, I know how to get there. And then also it, it kind of was a nice indication of my fitness too, that I could keep up with them. Again, we're not all training for the same things, but That I could ride with them even though I was mile 70 and beyond um when they were like at mile two. You know, it's it's I'm like, okay, I'm really fit right now. This is very exciting. We'll see what happens in Hawaii.
2: Oh, I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. And Hayley, I will share my um knee surgery recovery workout of the week. Okay. I know I want to hear about the progress. (laughs) I still, in like in terms of things I can do, I still can only bend my knee to 90 degrees. Like if I'm doing PT exercises or I'm like driving, I can't just like sit around with a bend, but um, I can't weight bear. And so PT exercises are very limited, but I did get approval, Haley, to get in the pool this week and I am able to swim with my knee brace on. So I have to keep the knee brace on. I have to keep the leg locked in extension. So it's just like locked straight. But when I went to PT last week, she had me, my PT exercises were like practicing butt scooching like on and off the like block. And, like how we like went through. She was like, let's just like go through the motions. Like how are you gonna get yourself into the pool? You're training are...
0: for Kona? I don't
2: know. Like and your was, like, version of Kona. Yeah. You're, like so... how
0: you're gonna get around Kona.
2: Yeah, I know. I thought this was really good actually because I was like, you know, you kind of think about it, but then you're there. She's like, let's just pretend like go through the motions. Right. So I actually felt very prepared to go to the pool. Our plan was I just wore a swim parka. So when I did one water, they gave us all these swim parkas. And so I have a nice warm swim parka. I just wear my bathing suit and the swim parka and like crutch. And then my pool toys, like as a backpack. I crutch right into the pool deck and then there's a nice bench. I get like, you know, I unload everything, put my backpack of pool toys on. And then, and then I crutch to this, the like diving block. And then from there I like lay out all my stuff. And then it has like a step on the side so I can sit on the step on the side and like slowly lower myself down, which actually it's like very seamless. It just, I mean, if someone's watching me, I'm clearly doing it very carefully, but it's actually pretty easy and seamless to do that. And then I have a swim buoy that attaches to my thigh. And so from swim run, so I use that buoy and I attach it to the braced leg um, so that that gives that some more, more buoyancy. And I my intent of going to swim yesterday this is like still brand new was really just to get in the water and like see if it was going to work right like see how many obstacles we were dealing with and would it be something where I could get in the water but it was like you know I mean executing a workout like wouldn't really be possible right so I needed to kind of assess like how the turns were going to be and just like how it felt right and I'm very excited that um I can definitely do open turns but surprisingly what works best is I think because my flip turns were never very good to begin with they were always more of like a side tumble really I can actually flip turn with my legs straight in the brace and I do yeah. so you have to definitely... I need a video I where's know the real? so where's the in real? my head it actually doesn't feel that much different which is like scary it doesn't feel that much different from what I normally would do except that I do it further away from the wall and then like my push off like isn't as strong but it's like a side tumble and then I just have to like I'm very aware of that leg. So it's like, I just keep that leg straight and it kind of goes diagonal. And then my other leg, since the buoy, since I don't have to worry about holding the buoy between my legs, cause it's attached to the bad leg, I can like spread my legs a little bit and just push off the wall of my good leg. And it actually works really well. I mean, again, I have no idea what it looks like outside the water. So I am interested if someone can go and like film it so we can all see what it looks like, but it feels as close to normal as I think I could possibly get in the situation, which really is all that matters. Right. And then, um, the own like, and then I can swim and it's lovely. And I mean, it definitely gets heavy. It's, I mean, the way I can describe it is that it feels like you have like a toddler <laughs> like hugging your leg and you're just like swimming with them right on your leg. And so <laughs> it's, I mean, it, I could tell, I mean, I swam for 1600 yards Um, I did, once I like got in there and kind of got myself situated with how I was going to turn, I just did two sets of like four by 50 strong and then a 400 pull. And I mean, by that, that felt like plenty. And even after that, it was like crutching to the car was like, my arms were shaking because it does, the, the brace gets like very heavy and you quickly lose steam because I also haven't been working out now for two weeks. So, um, it wore on me, but it felt so good, Haley. And it did feel like a shred of normalcy as I was in the pool, which was really nice. And so I took the next step and I emailed the master's coach and said, surprise. <laughs> I was like, I think I can do this and like not interfere, right? The master's here actually like mostly lane splits um, because they have a million different practice times and they can use like eight or 10 lanes. So they basically just like split lanes. And so I was like, I don't think I'm going to be like in someone's way. Like, I think I can still split a lane. I think I can keep up in this workout good enough to like, to do it. So I'm, I'm headed to master smart morning early. And I'm excited for that because it will get me like, I'm eager to just kind of like get back in my routine of some early mornings. Like I do miss the early, like I'm a morning person. I miss like how the world feels early in the morning. So getting up for, and getting to the pool for a six 30 practice will be nice. Just a couple days a week to like have me in that routine and have me feeling like, a little bit more tired at bed that the bedtime I like to keep. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm hoping that I can get kind of back into that routine a little bit. And again, I'm now like 17 days post surgery. So, um, feeling like I have a bit more energy to do these things and that sort of thing. So I'm excited. Whoa, maybe I'm going to see you at the Kona pool. Okay. I know.
0: <laughs> Doing a little well, I master's do. Program yeah, point, I so. do
2: feel like you might even see me. I think, you know, Hillary and I talked. I think if I go not from the pier side, like the side everyone swims from, but I think if I butt scooch in the. Like beach side, Um. Yeah. By then, my incisions should be healed plenty, by the looks of it. So, um, I do think there is some open water swimming in my future in Kona. So I'm excited. That'll be you'll be nice. You don't have to worry about the flip turns at all. Yeah. Um. You, I'll be the one with the leg brace and the pull buoy attached. <laughs> I'll be easy to out.
0: You might. Yeah. You might stand out a little bit in Hawaii. Just, but so Alyssa, little. that's the next time I'm going to see you is in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like that is wild. Um. But that is. Just a reminder for all of our listeners: If you, I'm sure, if you follow us on social media, the Feisty Triathlon account, you've seen that there's a lot of content coming out for Watch the Women in Kona. Uh, the team is headed to Hawaii this week, this weekend, so it's just going to get more <laughs> over the next couple weeks. Um, so definitely join the hype. There's a lot of giveaways. There's a lot of fun, fun uh, social media. If you aren't in Hawaii, but then also, like, I think you can catch people if you are there. And just as a programming note, um, next week, Alyssa has a fun Kona preview show planned for everyone. I will not be here because I'm going to be focused (laughs) and I don't, and we all know that my pick somehow I pick myself for first, second and third. And the Dark Mare. Um, and so there's my big advance. <laughs> Somehow I got all those pieces. I'm the only one who finished. <laughs> but um, and um, then the week after that is all just gonna be the feisty team on the ground, a ton of shows content on this channel. So stay tuned. And then, you know, we well, I don't wanna hold my breath, but hopefully we'll have a Kona
2: recap. <laughs> we will have a recap of some kind at some point in the yeah. weeks after Kona, right? We'll yes. I'm that. going to come on and give a yeah. kind of recap. I just, I re
0: I like remember how terrible I felt last year after the race. I mean, I had an incredible race. I was so happy with my race, but it's a very hard race. And to so I hard, don't like to, to be fair. I to I felt,
2: the last time I was there and I was poaching, I felt terrible <laughs> in the days after just from the day of spectating. And then to do that on crutches. I'm like, I'm not setting a high bar for myself either for how I'll feel the day after. So, um, <laughs> let's keep the bar very low for ourselves. Make no promises for after, but our listeners, you will get Kona recaps at some point in the weeks after we will keep bringing you shows every week. So don't worry about that.
0: Yeah. So meantime, right into our mailbag, iron podcast at gmail.com with all of your questions. Maybe I will share a swim workout um maybe i'll share some post race recaps but yeah i'll miss you all for two weeks but i think there's probably gonna be plenty of content i'm gonna try to try to have my social one in kona this year compared to last year um because but it's just hard it's a very busy week Alyssa. i have taken some time and i'm like make this is what i learned last year worked really well was like i like made a little spreadsheet for myself of like like media obligations, workouts, like all the things. And it's just like wild how busy it is. And, um, but it worked really well last year and I pulled it all off. And so I'm doing something similar this year and I'm so far happy with how I've, I've scheduled things. Um, I'm going to do, I'm doing like breakfast with Bob at like 11 AM on Tuesday, followed by feisty at 1130, followed by Iron Man photo shoot, like at noon. And hopefully all these people put this content out because otherwise I'm like, I'm like release it to the masses I love me, so hopefully there's going to be a lot of things. Um, but if anyone's in Hawaii, definitely, uh, you know, say hello. And, uh, I look forward to seeing some people. It feels, it feels a bit like a reunion sometimes. And I think this one's going
2: to be extra special. Yeah, it definitely does. I definitely had some anxiety of being like, can I really go crutch around Kona? It's going to be so awkward. And then I was like, actually, it's all my friends. It's going to be all my friends there. No one's going to be like, everyone's just going to be excited to be together again. I, You know, and people know I'm ridiculous and I will go crutch around Kona, right? And so I think like, it's going it to make it
0: so that more people recognize you in person <laughs> totally. and not yes. just your voice. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, um, I love like, that. Um, yeah. So hopefully people do say hello to us. But I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I think it's going to be fun, and I can't believe it's coming. And I, I feel like I have not like I said, I, I, have a very unsustainable level of fitness
2: at the moment. But I'm like, I only need to hang around for three weeks. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I, I did hear that the feisty team will be on the ground with samples from Bonk Breaker. So make sure you get there and figure out how to get your hands on those because um, yeah, Haley, we've both been- Or get loving. those salt
0: stick fast chews. I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like you could need those even if you're spectating. Even if I'm so spectating, delicious. for
2: sure, yes, yes. <laughs> like, and the Block
0: Breaker bars, you could definitely eat those as spectating true. and as fuel, but yeah, definitely grab that free food.
2: Oh, there's like an aid station on Ali, right? In the mornings. Well, and in the morning, so Ali? not during, maybe during the race. I don't know how that, the rules will go for that. Oh, not during the race, but yeah, race, not during week. the race but race week, everyone's doing your morning shakeouts on Ali. So, uh, mm-hmm. make sure you find out where the feisty house is and stop by. There is going to be some yeah goodies there for your morning workout. So, um, that'll be good. And then yes, Haley, next week I have special guests. Should I tell people who it is? Is that going to like yes. Yes. tell members? people? Okay. Cause yes, cause I was excited when
0: I heard. So yes, I think we should, we should tease it.
2: Yes. So we have, well, Rachel Joyce coming on to, um, preview the Kona race with me. Rachel is a veteran of the world championships race. It was funny when I talked to her about it. She was like, Oh my gosh, the racing has changed so much. I need to brush up on some things, but I think it's going to be really exciting to have a perspective of someone who's been on the podium there, um, to help me break down the race and help us all get kind of psyched to see what goes down there. Um, Rachel was also someone who was a huge catalyst in the 50 Women Tacona mo- movement. She she wrote a piece for Wits Up and that was actually what like inspired me to start the 50 Women Tacona Twitter handle in 2015, I believe. So, you know, she was someone who for the last like few years had been like a part of that movement with us in those early days. And it's kind of cool for having her back on the show now talking through just like the race preview for me, because like, yeah, she inspired me to be a part of getting the push for equal women in Kona and whether or not what we did was a catalyst for having a women's only day in Kona. Like it's, it's a cool moment. I'm going to celebrate it.
0: Yeah, a huge Rachel Joyce fan. I'm sorry. I'm missing chatting with her, but please tell her thank you from me. And, and, um, and just, you know, congratulations to her. And I do know she is coaching. So I'm excited to hear about that perspective too. I mean, she coaches some pros. Um, Elizabeth James, I know who I met in Chile is coached by, uh, Rachel Joyce. So it's, it's good to know that she's still very in the sport and I can't wait to hear about her, her predictions and, um, and just celebrate this moment with her because, it is something exceptionally special when you are, you know, one of those people who is fighting for that world championship who could win and also can have that perspective to think about all of your competitors. I I mean, I can't imagine that was just one of the coolest things. And I'm so thankful that we had her in the sport. We still have her in the sport.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I won't embarrass her too much in next week when I talk to her, but. It really was hard in those early days to find someone at Rachel's level who was willing to speak up for what we were fighting for. And to be quite honest, many of the women stayed quiet and Rachel was not. And she was very aware of the fact, like none of us knew what would happen, right? None of us knew if her ability to get, you know, appearance fees would disappear, if her ability to be able to race Ironman races would disappear. Like we were all kind of felt like a threat that was never actually carried out, but we all felt like at any moment our like ability to race Ironman races could be taken from us by speaking out. And um, I'm sure Rachel felt that pressure and she spoke out anyway. And we're always so grateful for her, for doing that. Um, So it's going to be a fun show next week. So make sure you tune in and listen. And I'm sure all, of our picks are just going to be Haley Churro down the board. So don't worry about that part of (laughs) things.
0: Perfect. I'll just imagine that. Um, But Alyssa, we do have a really good interview this week. It is sort of feisty themed and definitely Kona themed. Yes. So
2: we have Sarah True on the podcast today. Sarah is a name you guys know very well. She's a fellow feisty podcast host on the If We Were Riding podcast. She has over a decade of accolades in triathlon, including two Olympic experiences appearances she was fourth in 2012 and at the olympic games but more recently this season she won ironman frankfurt she's heading to the big island for the world championships her best performance there was a fourth place in 2018 and we'll get to see if she can better that this year so really fun to catch up with sarah and hear from her um after a word from our sponsors We have an extra feisty interview for everyone today. We are joined by Sarah True, one of the feisty podcast co-hosts on the If We Were Riding podcast. And Sarah, welcome back to the Iron Women podcast, though.
1: It's been a few years, even though, I mean, so both of you are current slash former swim buddies. So it feels like a swim reunion, too. I see Alyssa in the upper Valley. I don't see Haley as often. So it's it's a nice excuse to have a little convo with the two of you.
2: Haley was probably a much more useful swim buddy to you than I have been, but um, I will say it does help me to have you in a lane next to me and be like, all right, like, let's try and stay ahead of her on this one. (laughs) Or it's always, you know, you just pretend you're swimming with people around you and that helps the time go by faster. So, um, but yes, I'm sure Haley was much more useful, but Sarah, we are talking to you a couple of weeks after the PTO Asian Open, which happened in Singapore, and that race was a week after the PTO US Open in Milwaukee, and my geography isn't necessarily my strong suit, but you live in New Hampshire. Oh, it was two weeks after Milwaukee. Okay, so, but you live in New Hampshire, which by my calculations is much closer to wisconsin than it is to singapore um so tell us a little bit about that decision to head to asia race in singapore was it timing of fitness was it just life stuff timing racking up some airline miles to keep your status what was it that inspired you to head to singapore
1: well it's been a while since i've watched any movies so i'm like okay flight to milwaukee can't get that many movies in 30 plus hours of travel i can totally get some movies no um Seriously. Wait, did you watch any good
2: ones? Because I watched Champions. Did you watch Champions by any any the about like a basketball team?
1: No, I watched oh. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I didn't actually watch as many movies as I thought I would <laughs> because I just ended up sleeping the entire time. What but, was your
0: route? What was your route? I'm very curious. Yeah, as yeah. Getting from New Hampshire to Singapore,
1: so connecting through uh L A. on the way over. So Boston, L.A.? LA? Yeah, that... so Boston, L.A., L.A., Singapore. Ooh. And then on the way back, just to keep it fresh, uh, I went through Amsterdam. Ooh. Amsterdam, Boston. You know, yeah, why? Why not? Why not? So you did, like, a round-the-world tour. I did. I did. And I didn't get really to see much other than a couple of airports. So it's all good. So the real, the real reason is not because I just wanted to sit on a plane for 30 hours— it was really timing. So I got done. I did Ironman Frankfurt beginning of July. Took a couple of weeks, super easy. Uh, asked my coach, Hey, Milwaukee's like, ah, that's, that's stretching it. You know? Yeah, you can go. It's more convenient. Um, but in terms of timing for fitness for Kona, like it makes more sense to go to Singapore, um, and just life stuff, other things going on. But really, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense that I would go all the way there other than the fact that I've never been to Singapore and it was a very fun adventure. uh, But performance-wise, it made more sense like with the training block to be able to get a little bit more speed in before I even attempted to race.
0: I can definitely see how two weeks can make a huge difference in fitness and training. And it may seem like, oh, you know, it isn't a big difference but it is i also can relate a little bit to the adventure piece of going to singapore and the draw from that so can you tell us a little bit about the venue and what did you think because it is a pretty it looked like a pretty cool
1: place to have a race it was super cool so as far as i know uh it's the first time that singapore has ever allowed people to race in where we were in marina bay and uh yeah just it's it's a very strict Country, when it comes to regulations, and they do not normally let people swim in there. Uh, they tested the water basically like once a day, multiple times. Uh, they were worried about all sorts of things. We were having all of these contingency plans in case we couldn't swim in the water because they wouldn't let us. Um, but basically, like they were able to pull off some of the most iconic architecture. Of that part of the world, you know, surrounding you. So it was, it was stun, it was a stunning backdrop for a race. Uh, you know, urban races, you never know what you're going to get, but it was a really, really well done urban race. Yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciated that. So I did like a little bike tour on my own with a rental bike a few days before, and just kind of noodled around the city, got to see stuff, and go to the like went to food stalls. And I swear I was there to race, not to be a tourist. Um, yes, I was partially there as a tourist, let's be honest. But yeah, the the incredible experience, um, you know, it's it wasn't a, I think it was only a couple thousand people in the amateur race. Uh, and they had to be flexible with, uh, you know, where the swim was. There were some last minute alterations, but they did have this nighttime run race. That looked super fun. So it was after we finished. It was all dark. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really late. Cool. Yeah, Maybe like it was. eight
0: p.m. I mean, it was your race started at three p.m. So if it's after
1: your race, yes. Yeah, so there were all these folks out doing. I think it was a five k after us, and like there was music playing, and it just seems like a lot of fun. So yeah, they they tried to make it a full festival atmosphere there's live music and stuff um like lasers and all sorts of excitement so yeah very cool event
0: and okay I think of Singapore and I think of crazy rich Asians and that movie and just like how stunningly beautiful that movie is did you I mean what was the hotel like what was the food like is it what we think Singapore is like
1: uh you know I didn't get to live the crazy rich, rich Asian lifestyle uh, but I, don't get me wrong the hotel was was very nice uh but yeah I think that's the whole like next level so I didn't get access to that part of of the country um but yeah just a, an incredible cultural melting pot so just in terms of uh you know food because I'm kind of food obsessed like you had a real like very very, Uh, heavily influenced like Chinese immigrants, Indian immigrants. It's right there next to Indonesia. You know, it's on the Malay Peninsula, like a lot of Japanese influence with the the foods. So just like all of these different cuisines coming together. Um, So absolutely incredible, like food scene. Um, So that was the thing that stuck out for me with crazy rich Asians was like the whole, food stall scene the beginning of the movie and I'm like yeah Singapore bring it um and very very clean city so probably the cleanest city I've ever been in at least one of them again they have a lot of strict regulations you're not allowed to chew gum or uh spit in public without getting fined so you know that leads. Does that to make you, was that about like that of, yeah, yeah, Was yeah. that a race
2: rule? I guess because I think about <laughs> spinning
1: quite a bit, and I'm like, could they have enforced that in the race environment? I wonder. You know they they didn't talk about that in the briefing. Okay. We probably should have asked. Um, yeah,
2: I, I'd have been curious what if like it would have superseded. I don't know.
1: Yeah, not a, like a, not what a about penalty, like but, yeah, arrested. <laughs> not rocketing. Like, is it like thousand you know dollars snot rocket? I don't know. I didn't ask. (laughs) What about the the water quality? You
0: mentioned that. I know people uh, who flew to Lati for the 70.3 World Championships afterwards, some of them talked about getting sick after the race. Did you have any issues?
1: No. I mean, there are so many possible ways you can get sick. Uh, So I was fine. Um, Like I said, they, they were super duper strict with water quality, but then again, I, I didn't race the same day as the men. So I just, I don't know. Um, I was fine despite like crazy travel, uh, and everything it can do to your immune system. I was fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what about the spectators? Were there a lot of spectators around? Because this race was different as you mentioned, because the PTO was actually putting on the age group race versus Milwaukee where they were kind of piggybacking on age group nationals. Uh, did
1: you have any spectators out there cheering you on? There were some, I think it was mostly confused pedestrians uh, because it this was, you know, right smack in the middle of some pretty heavily, uh, you know, torsted areas. So a lot of people who would it would be their normal walk routes or they were, uh, we ran by this huge mall and it was actually kind of nice because it was very, very hot and humid and the doors from the mall would be like, oh. Cool aircon <laughs> for like two seconds, but the all these people coming out of the mall being like, "Why are these ladies running around in bathing suits?" I have no idea what's happening right now. So there were people, uh, you know, probably not as like triathlon specific fan base as Milwaukee. We'll put it that way.
2: Interesting, interesting. Okay, and I think it was on Instagram that you called your own race day a tough day at the office. So can you tell us just a little bit about what you were feeling out there and what are your personal strategies for getting through a race when you know it's not really best case scenario for you?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, there are days where you're just totally flat and like I had no power, nothing. I had nothing. It was going to be one of those days where you're like, I just need to gut this out. Uh, And you just are looking at the power and you're like, Right now I am doing Ironman Watts and everybody else is doing 80 K time trial Watts and bye-bye. hopefully this is going to be okay. And then you get to the run you're like, all right, this is just a survival run because I am feeling the heat and humidity. Yeah. You know, I went there feeling pretty good about my fitness and underperformed, um, you know, it was it the time travel, the time travel, (laughs) The, (laughs) the time change, uh, you know, 12 hours is a lot. Uh, was it the flight? Was it the heat and humidity? I don't know, probably all of the above, but ultimately like all you can do is your best on the day. And that's what I kept on telling myself. I'm like, listen, I just have to put together whatever I can today. And maybe it's a little ugly. Uh, but also there's, you know, the carrot of like, prize money where every position I know that I can make a little bit more money. So might as well just try to gut it out and, you know, put together a decent race that helps pay for my flight. <laughs> because again, flying to Milwaukee would have been a lot cheaper. Let me tell you, I didn't consider that in my calculations.
0: <laughs> you got the life experience. You can't put, put a price tag on that. And you finished ninth, very solid finish. One woman's tough day at the office is another woman's career defining (laughs) best race of their life. But um, I I do want to talk about uh, a really, really good race you had uh, leading into this, uh, this summer. You raced at Ironman Frankfurt and you won. You won there. It was a huge win. And it was your third time at Frankfurt can you talk about why, why Frankfurt? I mean, cause again, there's Placid very close or other Ironmans in North America, but you chose to go to Germany.
1: I think, I think it was a couple things. Um, so it made sense with my, my school calendar, uh, just being able to plan everything that way to be able to get an Ironman in early July sooner wouldn't have been possible later meant that it would have uh, impeded my ability to do any racing potentially in August. So plus is at ends end of July, which basically meant like there would have been no PTO race uh, whatsoever. And so I think ultimately, Frankfurt, I have good memories. There are also some very bad memories. And it's the first race, I uh, first Ironman I ever did. Uh, I like the course. I just kind of wanted to go back and like have good feelings about it again. Um, after, yeah, like last time I was there, uh, I was taken off the course, like 700 meters to go and that just didn't feel awesome. So I think there was definitely a piece where I was like, all right, let's go back there. There are these other races I can do, but there's, there's this little thing that's kind of nudging me in that direction. Um. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, not, not like yeah, I, I, I have something to prove mentality, but more of a, let's just, let's, let's rewrite the story or like, let's take ownership of the story.
0: And I imagine when you were there, I know I watched some of your pre-race interviews. People were asking about that. I think it was 2018, uh, not quite finished or 2019. I can't remember the year. Sorry. But, um, But I mean, was that hard? Was that hard to like, kind of open yourself up to all of that pre-race? And and did you feel anything extra special coming through the finish line?
1: Uh, I didn't really think about it that much. I think people wanted me to talk about it like, yeah, I'm totally coming here to to win because I couldn't last time. Um, Because it makes a better narrative, but it wasn't like some monkey on my back. um, The way that they would like it to be for the story, uh, but we can just pretend, just for narrative sake. Yes, that's totally what happens. Um, I think
0: the actual story is good enough. I mean, I think the yeah. actual story, and that's what I find a lot of the times when you're trying to
1: like create a narrative is like, no, the actual story is good enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but they they wanted some, like you know how the media is, they want some great headline about. But like, you've spent I, like four years <laughs> trying totally. thinking about this moment. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it's more like, no, nah, I like the course, you know, it's a fun race, so might as well go. Um, I didn't really think about it until, I mean, it was a little warm, and I'm like, okay, I just want to be very conservative um, on the run. Uh, it wasn't as warm, so, like, the last time I was there was a record, uh, record-setting heat wave. This, it was warm, but so I'm like, okay, I'd rather manage myself and get through and have good feelings in this race than like really pushing the envelope, um, on the run. So that went, that was in the back of my mind. So I think I I ran a lot more conservatively. It did mean that I crossed the finish line feeling good and was able to really take in the last little bit. Uh, I didn't, so it's a four loop course and I passed by the spot where they took me off the course four times. But I didn't let myself look at that spot until the last time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm running by you now. (laughs) Uh, No, that is amazing. And
0: you have struggled in the heat in the past. But now I feel like in the last couple of years, you've actually had some really solid races in hot conditions, Singapore, uh, most recently. Um, Have you have you changed things for that? Or is it just, you know, we've just you've had some physiological changes or anything like that?
1: I, I think part of it is I've just slowed down a bit, um, if that makes any sense. So I I think probably my body will never be the same, um, how I react to heat, but I'm okay running a bit more conservatively. Um, and maybe it's just fear of that sort of thing happening again. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's a little bit of, of two things. I've changed my strategy and I'm a bit more conservative now. Uh, and then also probably like my body is healed a bit. My brain is healed from, um, you know, the, the heat stroke would be, that'd be my guess, but I don't know. That's all speculation. I feel like if there's anything where
2: being a tad on the conservative side can pay off in dividends, it's Ironman racing. So you know, not the road you would probably have wanted to take in to come to that conclusion, but it does seem to be working out for you. Um, And Sarah, this season you, I think, opened at 70.3 in Chattanooga and you were fourth there. And, you know, looking at kind of the spring racing season, many of your peers have been racing in Ibiza, St. George, just a few weeks before that. And I think a lot of people would have been tempted to succumb to the FOMO and be like, I should just go to one of those races even if they're just using it as a training day or something like that. But that's not really how you race. It's not really your style. So, you know, how do you kind of stay patient, trust in your plan? Is it like you just know that when you show up to race, you want to be competitive, you know, to be winning? Or is it other factors at play?
1: Oh, you give me way too much credit, Alyssa, because (laughs) over the course of my career, I've had so many races in the spring where I am just kind of racing my way into fitness and they are very mediocre races. Um, so I've taught, to- I have tons of those where I'm like I need to be racing cause everybody else is racing. So I would say that's probably most of my career. Um, and this time this year it was more situational where, so I'm, I'm in my second year of grad school. Like I just, I do not have the time to train that I have had historically like I'm not a full-time professional athlete in the way I was um so I have to really work like I we waited until I was I had some decent fitness to show up and it just because I was working on limited hours um it took a lot longer in the year to feel like okay let's let's look at a race now and that probably you know that wasn't until May or so that my coach and I were like okay, let's, let's think about racing. (laughs) So it's just, you know, like, you don't, I don't want to force it. Um, because then, you know, it can be a house of cards situation where you start forcing, trying to get ready for a race when your body's not quite ready. Um, just, yeah, definitely being patient, making sure that I can show up, um, and it can work in my calendar and like, it's sustainable for me. Yeah.
0: And so your schedule now, like, as you've mentioned with school, you're a mom to a toddler. I think we can call him a toddler. Is that yes. right? <laughs> um, yeah. You're also a podcaster. I mean, you have a life that's probably a little bit more similar to the average age grouper and you are still in it. And so how do you, how do you handle like the mental side of that, of trying to understand that you don't have the same life that you once did, that you do have these other demands on your time, but that, given a slightly different, uh, schedule, you can still race at a very high level and get a lot out of yourself. And, um, I mean, like, how is that thought process going? How are you handling the external pressures from sponsors, from fans, from coach who want to see you race more?
1: So I, I think I honestly ignored the external now, uh, to a higher degree than I ever have during my career. Uh, because I know that ultimately, I am doing this because I love it because I want to do it. And when I show up to race, I want it to be a positive experience. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure my sponsors would love for me to race more. It's just, I'm sure they also would love for me to be like on social media more and all these other things, but ultimately I just have to kind of protect my own energy. And that has to be, that has to be first. Um, And yeah, so it's in terms of balance, I would say I have learned how to be a lot more flexible and kind of gentle with myself. Yes. Like anybody who does this triathlon stuff, you're, you're pretty disciplined. You're, you are goal oriented, but in terms of like the, okay, so I can't do 30 hours of training a week. I'm doing more like 20 hours of training and that's okay. And just that acceptance, like it's good enough. It's good enough to be skewing on that side or, all right, I need to, right now I'm really tired and I don't think I'm going to get a productive, hard run in. Let's look at the schedule and move it if we have to. And I think early in my career, I would have been way too rigid to be adjusting based on my life demands. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, yeah, you can be super disciplined and dedicated, but also flexible and trying to find the balance between those two things. Um, Like I couldn't do it. It, What I'm doing right now, if I had the same mindset of I must do X, Y, and Z to be able to perform, I would have exploded a million times over again.
2: One question I want to ask you, because this is something I've thought about a lot as like my own career, because I think this is something that we can all like Haley too, relate to is just like as life evolves, right? It's like, we trust that endurance that we've built. And like, we are more flexible with life and like giving ourselves that side of things, even though our lives look very different from what you're juggling. Right. But like, then I I think back and I'm like, but I still think it was very positive in many ways and good for me to have been very rigid in that first you know, almost decade, right, of racing. Do you feel that way too, or do you think looking back, you know? And I, I was thinking about this too because I don't know if you read Leanda's message to Taylor Nib that she wrote for Triathlete Magazine, and like, I kind of got a taste of this too. Like, do you look back and wish you had allowed yourself more flexibility in the the earlier years, or are you kind of like, no, I think that rigidity and the not flexible
1: was key right i think the downside of the rigidity is that it can make you really hard on yourself and like i i've had to learn how to just kind of accept being imperfect um as we all are and accept imperfection on the day um and that is not it's not a judgment on who we are. So like a shitty race doesn't mean you're a shitty person. And like, I think that there's there's definitely a rigidity that comes from that, from something you need to prove to yourself. So there's a d- downside to that. Um, if you're able to stay compartmentalized and that that's, that's where I think, uh, I wish that I had learned better compartmentalization where you can be, very structured and rigid in your training but the second you leave the pool deck you just have to turn that off. So, I don't know if I answered your question, but I wish I wish I had learned that much earlier in my career because that would have that would have really helped me quite a bit.
0: And so have you have you learned this just through experience through age or is it your own studies because I believe you are studying uh psychology. Do I have that right? You're getting your PhD in clinical psychology. And, yeah. and you've spoken with us last time we had you on the show about your own mental health. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen some other athletes who have come forward, like Chelsea Sadero in the New York Times was talking about her uh, OCD diagnosis, yeah. um, I think. Um, I mean, we've just seen a lot of other athletes come forward and talk about mental health. And so, do you think that this shift is happening maybe across the board, and, and we're learning more, and hopefully, even younger athletes are are learning how to compartmentalize and and treat sport in a healthier way?
1: I would like to think so. I, you know, I think uh, we've been having a cultural conversation over recent years about, you know sport and the the pressures of sport and what those pressures can do to an athlete's mental health um and uh, you know it's it's part of a bigger you know cultural zeitgeist about um conversations of mel- mental health and taking it seriously because we do have a crisis in this country so I would say you know me talking about like that rigidity that that is more to do with my personal experience and what I've seen in other athletes um, but I think it it definitely is a reflection of what's going on as a bigger cultural conversation about mental health in general.
0: And I do you think there's things that us as fans, as podcasters, as, you know, colleagues of other pro women or pro, you know, or age groupers just being out there on the course that we can be doing to, you know, to help athletes who might be struggling or just to to
1: help keep the culture moving in the positive direction? I I think a huge part of it is just normalizing this stuff. So when somebody like Chelsea talks about OCD, when, when I've talked about, you know, depression, when other athletes talk very openly about, Hey, there, there's this other side, it allows for there to be a different narrative about how we approach high performance sport Um, that, you know, you don't have to be a certain way. Like, you just have to be human. You have to show up, you have to work hard, you know, all those things are important, but there's no, there's no template for, for success. That success can come in multiple forms and you just need to work with who you are. Um, like, and we all have our like quirks and idiosyncrasies and like just work with that, you know, without shame, without feeling like something needs to be fundamentally changed. Um, and just like encourage people for who they are and trying to find ways to make sport work for them.
2: What about I'm just curious from like the sponsor side of things? Um, you know, having kind of larger sponsor relationships and obligations and contracts, has that changed at all in the last few years where in the beginning it would have been, you know, you could never have approached them and said, like, hey, I need some downtime or I need time away from racing or something? Like, have those conversations even You know, do you do you feel like there's more of a I don't want to say like soft spot from sponsors, but like understanding maybe from them that the mental performance side is something that you can't really write into
1: a contract. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. I think ultimately, um, you know, sports marketing, we could have a full podcast about this and how things have changed Companies very publicly would love to say that, yes, we care about our athletes and when they go through, you know, these downtimes, when they go through injury. And yeah, to a certain extent, if you already have a very public profile, if it, I, you know, Chelsea speaking out um, about very, you know, personally about her struggles, our sports sponsors are absolutely on board. You know, here's a woman who just won Kona. They want to see her continue to succeed. If you had a beginning athlete with very new contracts who hasn't yet proven herself, you know, would there, would there be the same multi-year commitment from these companies? Um, Probably not. So ultimately like results and public image does come first for, for these companies. Um, You know, it's not, it's not a charity. It's, it's marketing. So if they don't see a potential to be able to use you, um, not that it's that transactional per se, but like, you know, if you if you don't continue to be part of their marketing strategy, that support might not be as strong as they want to say it is. Sarah, you are on the start
0: list for Kona. And actually, I had some great memories from last year. Uh me out hacking out
1: my lungs.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not you didn't,
1: sick.
0: You, you, you I, I didn't did not sit oh, together sick. at the yeah, both the pro meeting and then at the um uh before the start. But I mean, no, you were just showing me pictures of your son and um I mean it was like a tr- a super big treat for me and then I went on to have my best day ever. So <laughs> I mean, not exactly your best morning, but it was one of my best mornings. Um, but how are you? How are you feeling leading into the race? Are you planning to race before then? It sounds like maybe you might be raced. I guess you just raced in August. Was that your August? I mean, August for past August. Oh my <laughs> goodness! So <laughs> Iron Man brain. Um, like yeah. What? Is- how, how are you feeling? <laughs> Obviously, I'm just giddy. <laughs> how
1: are you feeling? Seriously.
0: I feel really good.
1: I feel yeah. really, really good. I'm super You're excited. excited. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm excited for the all women's race. I'm excited to be a part of it. And, um, I mean, I, I don't think I quite have the same pressures as you do going into a race like this. So, you know, I'm just going to like go see what happens. No, no pressure. It's
1: all fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. It feels, It feels really far away, but obviously looking at the calendar, it's not far away. I think for me, it feels like it's really far because I have a lot to do that has nothing to do with triathlon between now and then. And I'm like, how the heck am I going to continue in this training block and get Kona ready? So that was a little bit too real just now. Okay. Now I'm feeling not anxious, but like...
0: So much time. Oh my goodness. There's so much time and... Um, I will also add that you have a a lot, a lot, a lot of years of experience. <laughs> I mean, if I look at you yep. and I know you're on the the start yeah. line, it I'm not thinking how has Sarah Choose training been the last three weeks. I'm thinking, How has Sarah Choose training been the last three decades? And it's been amazing. <laughs> so,
1: three decades. Jeez. I I haven't been in travel that long, Haley. My goodness. You've been an athlete that long. I know you have.
0: I mean, it counts, right? I tell myself that I'm like, I am like, thank you. Five-year-old Haley for going to the pool. That was pretty cool. You set me up well.
1: Yeah. That muscle memory for sure. Yeah. I think I, I would, I still need to train, um, especially race like Kona. And, you know, we, we touched upon heat. Um, I definitely felt the heat in Singapore. I know I have to get ready for a hot, humid race at home in New Hampshire. So that's, less than ideal. I have to get ready for a a very big race while juggling a whole bunch of stuff. So it feels, it feels like a lot, but then on the other side, I just, I feel super grateful to be going and to be, like you said, at an all women's race. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to propel me in a positive direction, but I also understand that there's a lot on my plate right now. It's, it's not the most, um, uh, seamless Kona prep ahead of me. We'll put it that way.
0: I feel like almost everyone we talked to leading up into this race has been preparing at home. And we have been a lot of North American athletes and, um, people don't seem to be going to as many camps and that I think includes myself. Um, last year I did go to Arizona this year. I feel like Arizona's too hot and I just love my home routine and maybe it's, it's me getting a little older, but Um, I'm in Montana, similar boat, very afraid of the heat. What are you doing? Can you tell me? No, what are you doing? You share your... uh... (laughs) I might be doing some sauna time. I feel like I finally... This is something I actually... I mean, I could talk about. Like I early in the season um, when I've raced in like Miami, some other hot races, I didn't feel like I had the fitness to do the sauna because I think it just takes too much out of me. And, um, and also my gym was getting renovated. It finally is reopened. They have a, a nice co-ed sauna, <laughs> so can, which is a little bit like, if you, you know, you can't like escape a conversation quite as easily. Um, but you know, I bring magazines in and, but I finally feel like I have it convenient enough and I'm fit enough that I can hopefully handle it. Um, and, but I go in with a lot of trepidation because I I know how much it can take out of me and I don't want to be on that Kona start line tired.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. So, so again, like hot baths and um, sauna, like that's part of our heat protocol. Uh, indoor trainer sessions without a fan, you know, like old school, I'm not doing anything special. Um, yeah, that's really about it.
2: You do have a few days here on the horizon, Sarah, that are going to be pretty warm for us too. So That's I don't true. know, it's like, we have like a five day stretch here coming up where it's going to be like 85 or something crazy for us. So, you know, I don't know. Mother Nature's doing what she can for you.
1: Mini, mini heat camp. Yes. Heat camp.
2: <laughs> and I imagine that one of the kind of, you know, brighter sides of Kona this year is also being there as a mentor for the Zwift Academy program, which you have been doing for the past few seasons those athletes will be out there on the course in October. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the program? Um, if they're not familiar.
1: Yeah, I am pumped because in the past, uh, we have had a group of men and women and this is the first year it's all women. We have four women from around the world and they are amazing. They're amazing athletes, amazing people. Uh, Tim, Don is the other mentor. We have so much fun with them. Uh, yeah, so we got to meet everybody in May. Um, did I get my months right? No, in June. In We had a training camp in Austria and Germany. Got to go to the Canadian headquarters, got to train. It was, it was incredible. Got to hang out with everyone. So basically, you go through uh, a selection process, and they came up with uh, four incredible women and we get to support them in Kona. And it's it's fun to have my own race going on at the same time because we get to go through it together. And it just means that Tim has a lot of bags to carry. Um, no, just kidding. Tim,
0: Tim. He gets to come. They let they let they yeah, let yeah, we, the
1: man come. We let Tim come to support us. Um <laughs> Are, you just, Are you going to Nice? Are you going to Nice for the no, men? No. Oh. It's it's just four women. So this oh, I was year just... they, Yeah, they didn't select any men. Yeah
0: oh, I didn't even realize that. Okay. Wow. Um, that is, I should have known that. And then I guess then for next year, will the Zwift Academy just be men?
1: So sadly, this is the last year of it. Yeah, I know. I've, I've loved it, but you know, that's, it's been, it's been super fun. I, while it's lasted, I think we're all going to really appreciate how special it is this year. It's
0: launched some careers. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think of like Ruth Astle, I feel like, um, is a big one, but it's, it's been fun to follow, follow that program and and you being a part of that. So this will be a great celebration.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, we have, we have some contenders for overall, I think, uh, yeah, amateur. So stay posted, look out for that orange on the course.
0: And so, Sarah, the other major event happening in the triathlon world over the next twelve months uh, is the Olympics. You are an Olympian. Are you following the Olympics? Did you watch the test event? Are you know? Are you cheering for Taylor Dib and and others? Um, do you have any predictions for how you think those other two U.S. spots might roll out?
1: Oh, oh, asking the tough questions here, Haley. So yes, absolutely, Taylor Dib crushed it. I can't wait to see uh you know what the team's going to do. All I know is we're going to have a really 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 strong women's team because GB and US are the two hardest teams to make. Uh we're getting at least knock on wood one medal individually out of that group. Uh and possibly a team relay medal. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the men. Yeah. I loved seeing Morgan and the men crush it and get a spot, seeing Taylor get her spot for the women's team, two spots to go for the women. Um, You know, my heart is really supporting Taylor Spivey because, you know, she's been super consistent and I'd love to see her make the team. Um, But like, I can't choose favorites because yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to see anything more than that. I want everybody to make it, but unfortunately there are only three spots. So. It's like
0: when we have we do our picks for like big races, and um it's really
2: hard to pick three. It's so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do not envy
1: the yeah,
2: selection. Wait, Sarah team was on the selection committee last time, that's weren't true. you?
1: Yeah. So this time I'm not part of the selection committee, but I was part of the criteria uh committee. Yeah. Okay. So it's okay. I'm hoping that it comes down to. So last time it didn't come down to automatic qualification for all three spots. So we had to do a discretionary selection in that, you know, it was, it was, we did the best we could with the criteria. Um, You know, I I think we learned some things that we've implemented this time around, but. You uh, you
0: picked Katie Zaviris who then won a bronze medal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she was on the relay, which also won a medal. So I, I, back our decisions it just it was it was hard it was really hard it was real. and the ideal scenario is that three people make it automatically so that you don't have to go through that because it was you realize that you have to leave people off the team when you make a discretionary pick when when it's automatic you don't have to make any decisions (laughs) Mm -hmm. you
2: have to wonder too like I mean, there could never probably be a sample size large enough for an actual study on this, but it's like, what does the discretionary pick, does that give them some kind of like, you know, like a mental boost? Like they are the discretionary pick, right? Like fruit, not that they would ever need to prove themselves therefore, but like, how does that play into it? You know, I mean, I think it's, it's all very interesting, but I also. You're giving, totally you're giving Sarah that. psychology. Um, research. <laughs> <ideas>. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone could get into that pool of athletes to actually study them, it would be you. And it would be, I mean, it's really interesting because as we've been saying now for the last 40 minutes, right. The mental side of things matters so much. And like that self-belief and the belief that, Hey, this, you know, team of people picked me, I better perform and show the U S that like, I'm worth it. Right. So, but I don't know, it's going to be a really interesting year to unfold here. I think.
1: Yeah. And no, I, I, I'm really, really interested to see. Uh, just, I think it's going to be an incredible race. Hopefully, we get uh, Flora Duffy back there healthy because she changes the dynamics of the race in the favor of the US women. But there is some fast running going on. Ooh, it's going to be.
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited. For- I'm excited for, you know, this, the path to Paris. I'm excited for Kona. I'm excited to see you in a few weeks. um, Or I guess we can say next month. I, someone said that the other day where I was like, next month is October. What? Again, I'm, I'm like in a mice level, like bubble of time and training and whatnot. But uh, Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And, and I'll see you in Hawaii. I can't wait to see you in Hawaii. And I'll
1: see you at the pool you know, with her cast.
2: And Sarah, you will see me. I will be hard to miss in Hawaii because I will be there on crutches in a leg, giant leg brace, um, camped out at least on the run course for you to, to be cheering for you. So you you will see me there too. But in the meantime, um, I'll hopefully see you, you before the then. Place. Yeah, yeah hopefully. exactly. <laughs> hopefully. So thanks so much to Sarah for coming on and talking. And Haley, a couple weeks ago now, this was right after... This was three days after my knee surgery. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit more like myself. My mom's here. Matt's here. They've been working hard, like taking care of the house. Let's get me out of the house. Like I'm ready to exit the house. Let's go eat somewhere. And like, I can practice existing in the world on crutches and we'll go out to dinner. So we left our house. I made an early dinner reservation. So I wanted to say I made like a 545 dinner reservation. Cause I was like, I want to be there on the earlier side of dinner to like not have, you know, a lot to deal with hopefully we can get like a comfortable place. I can put my leg up. So we're heading into town. So we leave around five, right. Cause I live in the middle of nowhere. It takes very long to get anywhere. So we leave around five and we, there's a detour. So around my house the they have been fixing this culvert. And so the whole road was shut down and it's like, ugh, just this pain in the butt detour that happened for a couple of days. Um, and so you have to detour onto this like windy back road and so we're headed up there and there's, to get onto the back road detour, there's like a super steep pitch, right? Like a pretty short hill, but very, very steep. And we see someone up there riding and I, we're like, oh, there's someone riding. And then I'm like, oh, someone's on a time trial bike. I'm like, they are like crushing it. Right. Like up this like steep thing. And Matt's like, it's Sarah. And I was like, oh my God, it's Sarah. So I roll down the window. Cause I'm in the back seat. Cause I had to keep my leg like straightened up. I'm in the back seat. And we roll down the windows and we're like, Sarah. And she like looks over at us and she's like, She asked a question and I thought she said, is it getting dark soon? So I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, no, you have like three more hours. You're fine. Like, good job. Keep crushing it. She goes, no, no, no. She's like, does this road turn to dirt soon? And I was like, oh, and I was like, it does. It does, Sarah. I'm really sorry to tell you it does. And she was like, shoot. And I was like, you can do it. You got it. Right. Like, so we keep on driving. And then Haley, we were probably like 10 minutes up the road. And the skies opened up and it was just like downpouring, right? Oh, no. And so we're like driving and we had gotten, you know, I mean, at that point we're like driving into town and it's like, oh no. And Sarah wasn't going to go the way we were going to go. She was going to go like a more direct line home, but she still had all this dirt road on her time for bike in the rain to do. And so, and, but we're in a small car and I'm also taking up an entire like seat, right? Because of my legs. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't think. Matt and I are like, should we go back and like offer her a ride? And I was like, I don't even know if we can like fit her and the bike in here. Cause it's like disc brakes. And like, do we even have tools to like disassemble it enough to make it small enough that like we all can fit. I was like, I don't think we can. So then I just had to, I felt like so bad. We didn't turn around and go get her. And then I was just like, she is training for the world championships and she might hate me in this moment for not going back to get her. But I'm just going to tell her when she like crushes the race that I helped make her tough. <laughs>
1: I, I was going to say, you don't get, moment,
0: right. you don't, well, you don't get her race results without being an incredibly tough person to start with. And yeah. so I'm like, she, that's not the first rainstorm she's ever run into. Not the first dirt road she's ever run into. No, so, I did have like, I, I sure had such
2: guilt. So I was like, I need to just say this story out loud as like a way to make did you double check that she
0: that she like
2: is still around <laughs> yes I was like frantically checking her Strava in the hours later to be like make sure she made a home make sure she made a home and we did we totally checked within hours and then I made sure to like let her know when the road was fixed because she does she actually rides like right by my house a lot and she uses that road so I was like oh the, the it's fixed you can not get caught on the dirt road anymore so um but yeah I mean that was that was a good deposit in the mental toughness bank I think but I don't know. It There's was a, a big call.
0: rainstorm in Hawaii, or we have to do any sections under. I'm I Sarah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, but Haley, oh my gosh, the next time I talk to you will be in Kona. So, well, I mean, we might text before then, but still, good luck in your last couple weeks here of prep. Safe travels over to the Big Island. I will see you over there. Um, do all the things to keep doing exactly what you've been doing this build. um, It's been fun to watch from the sidelines as you got ready for this. And I think you're in a good place. I'm excited to watch you crush it out there and we'll hold down the fort in the meantime. Don't worry about a thing over here.
0: Perfect. Sounds good. Alyssa safe travels to you as well. And I'll see you soon in Hawaii.
2: You've been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. iron women is a production of feisty media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Titian head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.